Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Well, I'm very grateful to be here today, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to be able to share with you today. Um, you know, I was praying a lot about what I should do, and I have these different messages that God has kind of put in me. And I was like, well, Lord, you know, and, and I'm looking at the Torah portion and I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, you know, Lord, what do you want to say? And, and um, you know, he took me on a little bit of a journey for what I was going to say today. And he readjusted some things that I was going to say today. And so I was kind of excited about that because um, uh, much of what is going on inside of this synagogue, um, I mean, if we asked where all of you have come from, you know, your journey, if you will. What, uh, what, what camp you came from, from the, uh, the Christian side of things or the Jewish side of things, and, you know, your history uh, in the journey of God, we would find we are very different uh, in this room. And so, um, you know, so as we, uh, as we instruct or share or encourage it's important that we find our unity, and our unity is in Him, right? It's Yeshua. It's the Word. Whether the one we love who spoke at Mount Sinai, because I believe that it is Yeshua who speaks out of the burning bush. Yeshua later said nobody's ever seen God or heard Him. So who was Moses listening to? You know, nobody knows the Father except the Son. And nobody knows the Son except the Father. And if the son doesn't reveal the father to you, you do not know him. And so, you know, you kind of see that no matter where we've come from, you know, whether you've been a part of the most liberal expression of Christianity, and I use that term out there, you know, where it is all grace and no command, you know what I mean? Or you come to the, oh, the other side where it is, it is all, you know, the Torah of truth and you obey or die, you know, like, I mean, you know, isn't that why we wear tzitzis is some guy took a, you know, was a little bit defiant on that whole thing and was gathering wood on a Shabbat, Numbers 15. And God says, you know, they bring him to Moses and Moses is like, what do we do with him? And God says, he shall surely die. Now it's in the context of a commandment that was about not being defiant to God. And I think it was a message. So depending on which expression your heritage is, we're in this room together today, right? <laughs> and so, you know, whether it's the fear of the Lord, which is what was said at Mount Sinai, was I did this today so that you might have the fear of the Lord. You might fear Him. You know, but He also came and He laid His life down so that we might know He loves us. That His Torah of truth is not to be taken advantage of, but His own blood will pay for our rebellion and our sin and our taking His words so lightly. But at the same time, in all of the severity, we're also to recognize the mercy of God and His kindness to us. That have come to this place. I mean, you're not in this room because you reject both of those revelations. 
You're in this room because somehow between these two poles, if you will, of the severity, the fear of the Lord, the Torah, where a man stands naked before God and he exposes the thoughts and the intentions of his heart, or that place where God knows, like a high priest who knows everything that you're going through and his compassion is toward you, and you're like the woman who's caught in adultery, he stands in front of you between you and your accusers, and when it's done, he says, I do not condemn you either, but go and sin no more. I mean, isn't this the glory of our God? I mean, there is no God like this. Except the one that's in this Torah that we kiss. Not just because if it's a book, but because of who spoke the words that are documented in that book. And so, the title of what I was going to talk about today is not exactly that, but it is Red Letters and Shifting Sands. And um, I started with a verse, and you know, I have been scolded that my, uh, my, my font sizes are too small. So, uh, as we go through this today, uh, I encourage you to take out your own scriptures. You know, everybody has a a version they like to read, right? You know, some, I mean, there's probably somebody here who's reading in the Hebrew and the Greek, but then the question is, is which one of those are you reading in the Hebrew or the Greek? Which, which version of that that was found, you know, these, these scrolls and so forth. So we all have that version that we have read and it's, it's kind of our, our heart scriptures. You know, it's funny to hear David when he's quoting some of these scriptures, I think in King James, because I grew up on that, you know, uh, in, in Messiah. And, and, and so some of these words are slightly different than the way I remember them. Anybody experience that when we're doing the verses, right? You know, and then is there somebody out there that's thinking, you just said King James. How dare you say that in this synagogue? You know what I mean? Because that says Easter and it does not say Pesach. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? This is our, this is our beautiful, wonderful fellowship, right? And here we are one. Kind of, right? Until we have a discussion about what that verse really means, right? And so, but but that's the beauty of it. It's the beauty of us. You know, we are a mixed multitude. You know, whether you're a Jewish heritage like Shaul or Paul the Apostle, and your lineage goes back and you can document it all, and there may be somebody like that in the room here. Or you are, you know, as goyim as goyim can be, you know, and you were worshiping false gods and, and, and you know, practicing witchcraft, because that's probably in here as well. You know, I, I knew somebody who wanted to write a book called the Gentile roots of Jewish faith, <laughs> you know, because God called Abraham out, you know, and, um, you know, there's no boasting in the flesh, you know, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, right? So Yeshua really messes up everybody's world. I mean, I, I absolutely believe everybody's like, is he coming to take our side? 
He's on our side, right? Like, the way we understand this, this is it. Like, come on. When he comes back, it's going to be like, we're going to stand next to him and be like, you were all wrong. We were right. You know? And, and I actually think there's going to be nobody standing next to him. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to remember John the Revelator who lays on Jesus' chest. And you know, all the other apostles are a little bit jealous of this guy because he's not going to die until he sees, or what is it to you if I want him to not die, till he sees me coming in my glory and so forth. You know, and, and, and so this is John, you know, actually he's kind of my favorite guy of those guys. And I have my reasons for that. You may have your own favorite guy, but you know what? When he does see Yeshua come in his glory, because I think that's what the book of Revelation is, it's his promise to John being fulfilled. That he actually saw it. Now, it wasn't in the flesh living here, but he did see it, right? And he documented it for us. And he is not emboldened to stand up next to the Messiah when he comes in his glory. Instead, he's falling like a dead man. You understand? And so... uh I'm just wanting to put it out there. These, these extremes that half of what I've said today, some of you are like, that's right, that's it, that's it. And the other half is like, well, when you said the severity stuff, that's it, that's it. And it's like the Lord's like, yeah, wisdom is vindicated by all her children, right? Remember, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking. Yeshua came doing both. One had a glutton and a, you know, was a, was a demon. The other, you know, uh, or one was crazy and the other had a, was, uh, uh, was it, is a glutton and a demon? Yeah, that's right. And so there's these extremes is my point. And, um, and so I asked the Lord for help today because today I'm wanting to bring forth to the best of, of my abilities as a, you know, a jaded servant, you know, one who's redeemed by the blood of the lamb that makes mistakes on a regular basis. And yet in all of that weakness of the flesh, which I have, the power of the Ruach HaKodesh that raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in this body. This little overweight, short, five, six, slightly balding, you know, talks too loud often. My body is filled with the power and presence of that same God. And you know what? You need to know this weakness of the flesh. That apart from him, we can do nothing. But you at the same time need to know that with him, there is nothing that is impossible. If God be for me, who can be against me? Though 10,000 take their stand, I will not fear. Because he is with me. And by God's grace, I'm with him because I don't know if he's always with us if we abandon him. (laughs) You know what I mean? You don't get to kind of run off and assume He's following you. You should be following him. You know, the cloud, the pillar. And so, um, you know, this is kind of, uh, I haven't even gotten into what's on this. This is going to be an interesting meeting today. So, but I do say this. In all of these things, and, and, and I'll be very, 
I, I think the abuses of grace come from reading Paul the Apostle the wrong way. In a summary. And it's not that I don't ascribe to Paul that he's an apostle and that his words are authoritative. But you can read certain statements because he speaks the way I am. He goes over here and talks about the severity of God in one verse. And if you only read those verses, you come out to one thing. And he also speaks the other place where, you know, every external obedience, everything that he had. Like if you're in this place and you're thinking, man, you know, I I wish I was a, a Jew the way he was a Jew. You know, and you have your pedigree and everything is dotted and tiddled. And my gosh, you could go and make a case for, you know, a, a acquiring Jerusalem or some plot of land over there, Paul makes the statement like all of that is nothing but dung to me next to knowing one thing. This Christ. Yeah, I said Christ. The Mashiach. You know, we can't get hung up on some of this language because your brothers and sisters, and I'll get you, many people in this place, including our own rabbi, you know, was led to Yeshua by a bacon-eating, Sunday-keeping, Christ-loving person. You understand that, you understand that. I mean, listen, whether you see it the one way or the other, you need to understand that. Because the Solomon we read about today was born from a marriage where David stole the wife of another man and then had him killed. When you read the Torah for what it really says, it says this. No flesh will glory in my presence, but I will take human flesh and I will have my glory from man. And it's first to the Jew and Israel. And that is a tough message no matter which extreme you're sitting on. Because the reality is, he's with you, but he's not. He is completely transcendent to our doctrines. And I'll tell you what, we're just sitting in this place today. What if he should tarry? You know, and whether that's a rapture or a post-tribulation rapture or whatever. What if it's all of this? What are we going to be figuring out five years from now, right? Because this place is not the same. This congregation of people is not the same. It's emerging. It's evolving. It's it's growing and it's and it's diversity. And yet, if we can hang together and love each other in the midst of it, you know, he says, you'll know my disciples if you wear your tzitzis correctly. <laughs> it's not what he said. And it's not that he nullified the tzitzi commandment. Right? He says, you'll know that they're my disciples if they have love one for another. So it's unity in the bonds of love. And it's in that place, Psalm, uh, yeah, Psalm 133, that Yeshua says, He will command the blessing of life eternal. Life eternal. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? But we need to come together under His headship. And that's really kind of the point of the message today is, Man, when everything is crazy, and you guys know, I mean, everybody in this room, I probably have offended you already and said your truth already, right? One or the other, somewhere in between. Man, I am preaching his word when I do that, you know? 
but he is in the midst of us. And it is him who is the mighty one. And, 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 and so the red letters in shifting sands, I, I have this statement up and up here and I, and I already understand it. It um, makes some people feel uncomfortable, which I hadn't thought about when I put it up there, but it's when all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that God may be all in all. Now, when I put that down there, it was me making the statement that everything is going to be subjected to him. And it doesn't matter whether you're the most, you know, Torah honoring or grace and spirit led, wherever it is, all roads lead to one place and it's not Rome. Right? It's Jerusalem, but it's not Jerusalem below. It's Jerusalem above where he is seated. Right? But he's not staying there. He's coming back down. And it says he's coming back down to Jerusalem below. So, put that in your pipe and smoke it. It's an old statement we used to say when we were kids. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? You may not like that, but that's what it says. Right? And that's who he is. And so, um, now I understand other people have read this and be like, well, are you saying he's not co-equal, co-eternal, co-everything? You know, and the reality is, is that the, the Godhead is a mystery. The oneness and the absolute distinction between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's absolutes, just like these poles, there's the absolutes. You can overgo one way and you can overgo the other way. But you know what? When you live between those truths, it's just like living between the other truths I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit of God confirms. Don't go too far. Don't go too far to the letter. Don't go too far, you know, to the Spirit. Matter of fact, um, there's a man named Leonard Ravenhill. And... Um, you know, I knew him, and uh, he made a statement that says, if you only have the word and the letter, you'll dry up. If you only have the Holy Spirit, you'll blow up. <laughs> but if you put them together, you'll grow up. Amen. I mean, that's a good idiom, isn't it? He was brilliant like that. And um, so anyways, let me get into what I have to say, actually. Um, and I'm going to... I've got a lot of scripture here that I'm reading, and, and the reason I did this is because I was told to do this. So this is why I'm doing this today. I actually would typically have just taken one little segment and then jumped off, but but I felt like the Lord wanted these things read. And so um, if you have your, your uh, scriptures with you today, go ahead and open up with me. We're at John 10. And I've just got to confirm how tiny this is. How many feel you can read what's on there? How many of you feel you can't? It's actually just too small. Okay. It's the it's the outline? Okay. It was my red letter kind of attempt. Yeah. Well, that's my fault. Forgive me. I, I, I played a lot with graphics on this. But let's go to John 10.10. 10. Or sorry, John 10.
And truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. You know, and I think about that when people sneak into people's house or sneak into their country, just saying. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And I want to emphasize that one scripture in the reading. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So they hear his voice, they know his voice, and a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. And I, I, I want to bring that to your point. Which voice are you listening to? Because sometimes, I mean, listen, the voice of the Lord will lead you to the extreme, but he won't take you into lawlessness, neither will he take you into legalism. His voice, and he knows you by name. There's an intimate knowledge there. And so I want to emphasize that because you can end up worshiping teachers or rabbis or, I mean, listen, going down this whole Torah path. I mean, shoot, I have been out on TorahScience.org. I have been on Chabad websites. I have been all over the place and doing my homework for myself. But as you read, God may be saying something to you, but then you can begin to follow a voice that's not his. And before you know it, you're worshiping something that is less worthy. And following and looking for somebody that is less worthy to acknowledge you. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand. And those things were which he had been saying with to understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them, oh my gosh, I'm saying Jesus. I just realized that. I'm sure I'm offending somebody. Let me, Yeshua, I'll read from here because I changed it on there for somebody. Uh, and, and you know what? It's true. I'm actually having a little bit of fun, but but that's because we are so weak in our flesh. And and And, and at the same time, I know that his name is not Jesus. I know that there is a whole Greek movement to destroy everything Hebraic about this one. And his name is Yeshua. And it's, you know, Yehovah, Yahweh. I mean, we can go through the list of potential sacred names of what that name is meant to be. We can say Hashem saves, right? And so I'm, 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 I'm doing today, I think, what, what he wants me to do. He wants to say, stop picking on each other. Stop misunderstanding. I saved you as Jesus. How many in here got saved as to Jesus? Raise your hands in honesty. Okay, now put your hands on. How many here did not get saved through, through Jesus, but through Yeshua? Raise your hand. And how many understand that Yeshua and Jesus are actually the same guy, but it's like, 
you know, now you can go too far. You can say Jesus is not Yeshua. Jesus is not the one who spoke Torah. Jesus is not. You could say, and then you'd be over there in that camp that none of us want to be in. Or you could be over here in the Yeshua camp where it's like Yeshua only spoke Torah, you know, and so forth. And it's like, hey, if you say Jesus, you're not even saved. Matter of fact, or Jesus for our Spanish brother and sister got, you know what I'm saying? And at some point you kind of go, would you just cut it out? Doesn't he love each one of us? Don't we all have our hangups? Like, I mean, listen, this is in every family. We got the one that's like over detailed on everything. And then you've got the one who just leaves the mess everywhere they go. Right? You know, these are our kids, right? And that's right. These are our kids. And let me tell you, you're his kids. And you're making a mess. And you're picking on your brother and your sister and stop it. And you clean up your mess, okay? You know, when I say clean the living room or your bedroom, I don't mean go make something clean in your toy room, right? And when I say remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, I don't mean pick a day of the week to try to pretend it's the Sabbath and make it holy. Do you understand that these are extremes? But this is him in the middle going... Hey, how am I going to get these people in the same room that they don't kill each other, right? You know, and we know that that has happened historically. Whether it was the Jewish people killing the people that were coming to Yeshua, or later on it's the Yeshua or Jesus people killing the Jewish people. I mean, this has happened, isn't it? This isn't actually that funny, is it? And yet here we are in one room, in one room. And this is what it's supposed to be. Because if we actually learn to love each other, we'll all push the junk out of each other. Right? Like, it'll be like, man, you're, you're going too far. And it's like, well, you're not going far enough. Right? Dad said this. <laughs> you know? And so, anyway. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Are you sheep? Are you hearing him? I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that is a big deal. Whoever you're following as your teacher and so forth, are they laying down their life for you? Because you will find a lot of people are filled with ego and knowledge, but they will not lay down a thing for you. I mean, this was the Holy One who had seen no sin, and He came and became sin for us so that He could save us. There's one that's worthy of my worship, and there is one that's worthy of my allegiance. And if he tells me, you shut up, George, and be nice to your brother and sister, I'll be like, okay, man, I don't like the word shut up, but it's okay. You know, uh, because sometimes God's just like, be quiet. And an example of that, I will get to, if I can get to it. Uh, he was a hireling and not a shepherd. 
who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold that I must bring them also. And they shall hear my voice and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Wow. Is that not all of us in this room? For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one has taken it from, taken it away from me. But I lay it down of my own initiative. So no, the Jews did not kill Messiah. He offered himself as a lamb for the sins of all, especially the Jew. Especially the house of Israel. Who are these sheep of another fold that he needs to go get? How many of you identify with that? Like, I'm one of those half-breed, you know, mutt. That he was going out to find wherever he could find me. You know, and how many of you were like, man, maybe your relatives actually were Torah honoring at one point hundreds of years ago or thousand years ago, wherever. And they got saved to Jesus and they left and joined the Catholic or the Lutheran or whatever it was. And, and, and that blood still is in you. And somehow God spoke and said, wake up. You weren't supposed to leave this. And I will tell you that that is what happened to me. It happened to me in 2003. I was in New Zealand. I was correcting a man who had, in, in error, had gone after the Torah. And I was correcting him because he was rebuilding his righteousness. And I was warning him that following Torah was in opposition to the grace of God. And he said, just do a little homework, George, before you tell me that. And you know what? That's what the father said to me. He said to me, your heritage left this a long time ago, and I picked you out, and you are going to be obedient to this. And I'm telling you, you are a child of Israel. And you need to believe this. I don't care what anybody else tells you. You believe this. And you're going to have to put these things back in your life. And in one day, one evening actually, in the middle of the night, That pole of the fear of the Lord popped into me. And the next day when I read the scripture and it said, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I realized I was cleaning this room when the father said to clean that room. And I realized that's not actually obedience, is it? And so the fear of the Lord is a genetic, is a, is a pole that speaks to us. How many had that experience in your life? Like what I just described. Wherever you came from, and I don't care what percentage of your blood is what right now, I'm saying that God put the fear of the Lord genetic in you, which is what he did at Mount Sinai. And you know, whenever you keep Passover, you're supposed to do that as if it was you who came out of Egypt, right? How many of you have had that kind of an experience? So you're, 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 you're Goyim, you're Gentile, you came from that side of it. Or you were Jewish who doesn't keep Torah at all, because there's lots of that out there too, heritage-wise. You know, 
And how many of you would say, no, I was actually kind of a Torah honoring in the Orthodox and, 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 and God woke me up to the other pole. Not just the fear of the Lord and obedience from external, but he woke me up to the, that he's the, he's the sheep who laid his, he's the shepherd who laid his life down for me. And that I am sinful, even though I've tried my entire life. But apart from his love for me, there was no ability for myself to bring myself to obedience. Apart from his Ruach HaKodesh living in me, I have no power to walk in obedience to the command my mind recognizes as true. Anybody come from that? Were you? Yeah. And, and do you see from the inside out or the outside in, if we will allow him to speak to us, to circumcise us in heart and spirit, or to circumcise us in our actions and our flesh, we become like him. The one, the one who called us, the one who God, the father recognizes as the worthy one that everybody needs to be subject to him. I don't care whether you're the most spirit filled, whatever. And and let me tell you, there's false movements. That's the other side of the thing. There's false movements coming. And those movements will be. Torah, spirit, no blood, no Yeshua. How many have been or seen some of those? You got the Kabbalah and the Torah. You've got the Christian versions of it. The new age where Yeshua's, Yeshua, his blood and repentance are removed from the equation. You know, it's out there, right? But my sheep hear my voice and they will flee from the other voice because they do not know him. And I'll tell you this. They do not know you by name. Only Yeshua knew what your sins were on the cross, the stake, whichever word we want to use for it. When he hung on a tree. There is one. Who is worthy. It certainly isn't me. You know I know that. But it certainly isn't any of those people. That we think are superstars. No matter which camp they're in. There's one. You know let's jump forward. Because I've got to get. This kind of done. Me, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you the next thing that the Lord gave me. It's Matthew 7. If you can find that slide in there, that's great. It was Matthew 7. Like I said, I haven't even gotten to what the Lord was talking to me about. I mean, what I was going to say before He told me to go this way. But it's do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you, same way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, there's a log in your own. I mean, this is kind of humorous, right? You know, it's like you 
go into the surgeon, you know, and he's got a patch over one eye and, you know, he's got some sort of glass thing on that you can tell he can't even see what he's doing. And you're going to let him operate on you. You're going to be like, I'm sorry, no thank you, you know. <laughs> My own uh, PowerPoint here is not operating correctly, but... Um, I mean, it's, it's just humorous is what he's doing. But it's not humorous because he goes on to say this. He says, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. Behold, you have a log in your own. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And this is what I would say to you. If you overemphasis the internal or you overemphasize the external, You've got a log in your eye. You understand? You won't be able to bring correction to anybody because it's actually you that needs to be corrected first, right? And so, but if we'll get that out, then there's good things, right? Um, and he goes on to say this. He says, do not give what is holy to the dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and then and turn and tear you to pieces. And let me say this, there are people you should not correct. If they don't have both of these genetics, the law and the spirit of life, then don't correct them because they will not receive that from that shepherd because that is not who they are following. They are of something else, a spirit of lawlessness, this anti-Messiah, this kind of thing. It's a legalistic thing. That's an anti-Messiah thing too. Because Messiah lives between these poles. Heaven and earth are his domain. And so don't correct them. You know, it it won't go well. It says they'll trample and tear you to pieces. I actually was going to play a video of this wild boar that attacks these people in China. But it's too gory, you know. Is it, does it play on words? No. But it is too gory. But, but, but this is the picture Messiah is talking about. This is what happens when you go in there and you don't have discernment that this person isn't trying to follow Messiah. They're building their own excuse for lawlessness. They're building their own excuse for external obedience being the basis of their salvation. And if you play with that, do you know what you get? You get that ferocious flesh. We don't want that. And I think that's why it talks about swine and dogs. Those are terms that are used in the, in the scriptures often. Ask and, it shall be, uh, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks, um, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or for he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? Will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give what is good to you? And there's another place where it says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. And I I think Yeshua is making it clear, your father loves you. 
And you don't have to sit around and beg him for what is good. You know, notice this is not him asking for a, you know, a toy. He's asking him for food. You know, when your children ask you for food and it's, you can tell they're hungry, you know, it's not the same thing as when they're asking to play with the Xbox, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and I think this is what the Lord is saying. And he's basically, I, I hear him saying, the Father honors the Torah because he is the Torah as well. And if you ask, he gives. And there's another place that says, don't ask amiss for your own lust, right? Because sometimes we ask and we don't get the answers to those. But I think what he's saying here is understand the heart of the Father is for you. And if you ask, he will give you. So enter by the narrow way, uh, narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree, bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I'm not looking to be thrown down, cut down and thrown in the fire. Thank you, Lord. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name cast out demons, in your name perform many miracles, and then I will declare to them, depart from me, uh, you who practice lawlessness. And that's a, that's a good Torah scripture, isn't it? You know, we love that one. Um, but, uh, you know, we're supposed to be casting out demons, we're supposed to be prophesying in his name. That's why this is supposed to be such a shock, right? And in your name, we're supposed to be performing many miracles. I mean, do you read it the same way I do? It seems to be that that should be like a shock. How could you have done all these things and, and he doesn't know you and you practice lawlessness? But this does not mean that we're not supposed to be doing those. We're supposed to have those signs and wonders following those who believe, Amen. right? So it's like, once again, you get these poles. And if you don't see with, everybody right now realize that you have two hands. You have two eyes. You have a left brain and a right brain. You hear all the science on that, right? One's analytical, one's like creative compassion. You know what I mean? Like this message of what I'm saying is so written into the fabric of your being that you cannot miss this if you're being honest. If you don't have one eye, you have no depth perception, right? If you don't have both ears hearing, you cannot tell where the sound's coming from. You have to triangulate it. So you understand your body is speaking these messages? And so, if you could advance to where I have these uh, magnetic pole thing uh, on the slides. I think I've, I've made this point. Um, 
the last thing I'm going to say is that, the, you know, Yeshua goes on to say, and he says, um, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and burst against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone, you know, who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who has built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, burst against that house. And um, the result was that uh, when Jesus had finished these words, the multitude were amazed at his teaching, for his teaching was his teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Um, you know, I thank the Lord for the big storm this morning. Everybody have the storm this morning? Wasn't very long. But I took that as a witness to the Spirit because that was the verse I was going to start with today, what I just said. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to give them my words. You need to get them in the red letters. Because I will tell you this. There's a magnetic north and a magnetic south in our earth, correct? And if you don't have it, we end up like Mars, right? Because that is what creates that magnetic field which makes the world habitable. Would you all agree with that, that that's good science? Next slide. You know, right now, did you know, the poles are about to shift. If, if you do your homework on this, this is NASA, this is all the scientific bodies. Now, how it's going to shift, nobody's quite determined that. And there is like, oh, it's going to shift slowly over the next 200 years. And then there's that are saying, oh, no, it's not. It shifts suddenly. And if it does, you get what this is Newsweek is saying. And if it flips, radiation, planet-wide outages, and, 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 and then there's they even go further and they say it's not just the magnetic poles, it's going to be there's geographic poles that get shifted. And that is stuff that the CIA has, you know, pulled off the internets and all kinds of stuff. So depending on how far out there you like to go, the bottom line is this. The poles are shifting. And the next slide, I kind of did this comparison, these poles of the fear of yod vav Hashem, and the love of Hashem are magnetic poles. They're magnetic poles in your being. And if you forsake the love of God or the fear of God, you will find yourself open to all kinds of demonic influence, being tracked down rabbit holes. I mean, I've, how many here have gone down the rabbit hole? You know, you end up on some Kabbalah website thinking, how did I get out here? This is not the voice of, you know, my Messiah. And you kind of get back over. And I mean, how many have done that? Raise your hands. Be honest. Come on, you guys. We all did that. We're, we're like sheep trying to follow the shepherd. And we have little bits of his voice and all these different things. And we're like, how do we get this all back into one place? And here we are, a messianic synagogue, right? Where more truth is in one place than almost any other place I can go to. How many of you see it like I do? I'm moved to be here in this city within 30 minutes of this synagogue because I recognized, without building up his flesh, that Rabbi David Schiller has these poles in his life. He can preach the gospel 
And I mean the gospel of Jesus Christ is good as any Reformation theology guy or anybody else. And he can preach, repent, the Torah of God is the Torah of truth. And it is the embodiment of knowledge and truth. And the advantage of the Jew is great in every respect. Those are poles, aren't they? And that's why I came to this congregation. And that's why I sit with this man and these elders. When I was in New Zealand and had that revelation that I am the Israel of God. Now, I haven't figured out the tribal thing, although my mom since told me, you know, we had a prophetic word, George, your dad and I. They were praying over me. They told me I'm of the tribe of Asher. And I'm like, well, that explains my happiness, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but it's so funny. Do you know, I also had from my mom and dad, my mom says to me, oh, your dad got all excited about doing this stuff years ago. And I told him, I am not giving up my Christmas. Well, let me tell you that. My last name is Renninger. There were Renningers that died in Auschwitz. There's Renningers that died in Russia, the Jewish stars on their, their throne. My relative, Christian Renninger, came to the United States in the 1700s on the ship called Love and Unity. And he came out of the German lands. And you know what I think? I think he just fell in love with Yeshua and threw the whole thing out and came this way. And they all grew up in Pennsylvania, you know? And so, I mean, that is that worth anything? That won't get me into the eternal kingdom. That just maybe helps me understand why he would say to me in a spiritual sense, because I didn't find that out till years later, that, hey, you need to remember this because your relatives, you know, basically got so excited about me that they left the Torah and that wasn't meant to happen. And I have looked through, and I will tell you this, as I believe, God has looked through the sands of time and he is keeping the promise to Jacob that though I scatter them to the end of the earth, and that's whether they still know they're Jewish or they have no idea that they're Jewish, I will wake them up at the ends of the earth and I will make them holy in the ends of the earth and they will be clean among the nations and then I will gather them back to myself. And I don't care whether you got the pedigree or you don't, Yeshua is the only way you get clean and you get into the new Jerusalem when it gets established. No flesh will get you in, but no lawless gospel will get you in either. Next slide. And this brings me to the wrap up here. But, you know, I got to, I got asked to speak for uh, Yom Kippur and I, I was so grateful. And, um, you know, they said, hey, you know, here you guys, somebody pick out, you know, a different, you know, one of the seven churches and we're going to speak on it. And, and Dan, you know, allowed me to be the guy that... Uh, Get to speak on the Church of Philadelphia because I love the Church of Philadelphia. I like him like... And you know what? Actually, that's where the Christian Renninger, when he came to the United States... and Actually, there was actually a coup on the ship and most people died on the ship because some guy took over the ship and was trying to hold it ransom and all this kind of stuff. But they ultimately made it to Philadelphia. And that's where they got off the boat, you know? And I, So I have a love for Philadelphia. But I love Philadelphia... For these reasons, you know, if you read in Revelation chapter 3, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy and he who is true, 
who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and shuts and no one will open, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and not denied my name. And I want to uh, jump back to my, my last one. I put these in opposition. Do you see how it says his word on the top? And his name on the bottom. Because I think there are those that have the fear of the Lord and they want to obey his Torah. They want to obey his gospel. They try to figure out, you know, exactly what the New Testament apostolic writings are all about. And they're really focused on his word. But you can get so lost in that that you forget that it's Yeshua who is your righteousness. It's the blood of the Lamb that will, that will declare you holy. It's the only way you will get into that kingdom is by that blood. And if you don't have the blood, you don't go. He who has the Son has life. He who hath not ha- the Son has not life. But neither will those show up who denied His word and lived lawlessly. He will say, rude awakening. I may have done the miracle because I was glorifying my name, but you, I do not know. Whoa! So I am telling you, these poles are real. And I'm telling you, in our geographic earth, magnetic poles are shifting. How many of you went through the shift where you were, man, you were rooted in the love of Jehovah through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And suddenly the Torah of truth became, bam, in your genetics. The revelation, the fear of the Lord that Mount Sinai, that these were not to be cast aside. I did not come to abolish. And if your definition of fulfill is to abolish, you're not reading it correctly. Right? Whoa! God came to take over, not take sides. Through His Son. And this pole is shifting in our world right now. And I I said this, you know, if you are still running after the doctrines of men, you will be lost. You're like the compass right now. The North Pole, the, the magnetic North Pole is moving at 35 miles a year. That means you're sitting there going, I'm trying to follow him. But if you're looking at the doctrine, you're like, no, no, it's this. And he's like, mm. you're like, where's he going? I mean, is he headed towards Jerusalem? Is it, are we Jewish? Does the identity of the church that disappears after this chapter is because he says, you're not something else. You're part of this. I've got one body, one spirit, one Lord. There is one Torah of truth for all that are mine. And whether you are the natural branch or you're the grafted in branch, I am the vine. Not the Jewish expression of Judaism is not the vine. Yeshua, the one who spoke the Torah to Moses, is the vine. I know, I'm intense. I've been told that before. And, uh, and that which isn't of his spirit in the midst of things, I ask him to cover me and forgive me for. But So as we go on, Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come down 
Come and bow down at your feet and know that I have loved you. You know, I think this is the case. Anybody that claims that the promises are theirs apart from the blood and the word of Yeshua is the synagogue of Satan. Let me tell you, replacement theology and following some Catholic canonical, whatever it is, or you know, make it Protestant, make it dispensationalism. I don't care what it is. Anything that thinks that they've got the handle on it and they pull it to their own church organization, denomination, and I don't care if you're Orthodox Jewish with a pedigree or not, if your basis of thinking that you are coming to his kingdom is in your own flesh, your own doctrine, anything that you say it's us and not them, you're the one that's the synagogue of Satan. And you know what? We got replacement theology Jews that are like, that's us. It's all ours. They're out. You know, Martin Luther, our wonderful hero of faith, Reformation was horrible to the Jews. Right? So, brilliant in one spot, lacking in another, right? And so, we don't look at him. I mean, we, we, we're grateful for him. But we also are, are like, man, you really blew it. I'm sure you're having to stand before Yeshua right now and give an explanation of the stuff you were writing when you were full of your own zeal. Let us not be that. So, whether it's orthodox or any other form of Judaism where you're boasting in your flesh... But let me say this, God doesn't discount his promise to the fathers regarding those that are the natural sons. I, I, have, I have natural children that I am estranged from. They're still my children. And I can be upset with them and how I want to see them come right. But whoa, if you mess with my kid. Do you know that that's the message of the Torah as well when you get into the... It's like, you know, some Assyria king comes down and he beats on Israel. And God's like, yeah, I'm letting you do that, but then I'm going to take you to account. Because you messed with mine. You didn't just correct them. You neglected to see that my name is in them. And you disrespected me in what you did. This is fearful stuff. So no, while I sit up here and I give the thing, I'm not attacking Somebody who is of the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm attacking that your confidence is in some council of rabbis or church leaders that you think you inherit apart from the compassion and the mercy that was displayed in the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's what I'm mocking at. And I'm saying you're wrong. And you don't want to get there and find out you were wrong. You know, it's like you don't want to have an insurance policy that when you get there and somebody dies and you turn it in, it's like, oh, yeah, this wasn't really real. That 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 wasn't real. That company, you know, wasn't accurate. This was somebody made this up and you read it and thought and you paid them the money, but there's no policy. There's nothing behind this. I believe that those that are putting their trust in the flesh, in theologies, where you do not, you may know the theology, but you do not know him. You have not learned to walk in obedience to his words. What did he say? Those who hear the sayings of mine and do them, they'll go through the storm. And you're right. I, I was going to say that. I felt like God gave me that storm this morning. I was like, okay, Father, because it is he, it is he who will keep you through the storms. So we're going to, 
we're going to wrap up because I've gone too long already. If you go to the next slide. Uh, oh, no, you know, I can't. Let me just finish. I know this is terrible. I'm taking your time. Um, but I want to say this because it's so important. You know, when we get into the rest of the Church of Philadelphia, you know, he says this to them. You know, he, he doesn't just rebuke and say synagogue of Satan, all this kind of stuff that's tough. He goes to the next person. He says, because you have kept the word of my perseverance. And when I read that, and I, I don't have the time to do this, and I did it in my, my, my uh, um, Yom Kippur meeting. The word of his perseverance is holding to his Torah and holding to the gospel at the same time. Because anybody who's done that, you know what that is. That is like, like being pulled in two different directions and you're hanging on going, Lord, I know these both are true. And it's perseverance to hang on to those, to not go too far one way or the other because everybody wants you to do that. He says, I'm coming quickly. Or, uh, I shall keep you from that hour of testing. That hour is about to come upon the whole world and to test those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write upon him the name of my God, which I see that as the name of the Father, because this is Yeshua speaking, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, and my name. Three names. The name of the Father, the name of Yeshua, the Son, and you are the new Jerusalem. That's powerful, isn't it? But it's all, it's all three of those. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so, and wrap up, what I was going to ask for today, and uh, I did, I asked David if we could do this, and, and, um, and so I ask you as well. If you go to the, black, the slide that has black writing, yeah, I kind of read through that. Keep going to the, actually go to like the second from the last slide. And I do believe we're building the tabernacle of David. There are those that are from among the Gentiles that are being gathered to, to Hashem. And Yeshua has set up the tabernacle of David where the presence of God, the commandments of God in simple form, are there. And David set up that tabernacle because there was dispute before he became king. The house of Saul had led enough of the northern house of Israel astray that when David was made king, there was some issues about that. Certain ones came to David, but David set up the tabernacle of David and it was like everybody could come together and understand that, you know, he loves us too. Whether you're on the extreme grace, you're on extreme law, I'm telling you, he loves you and you are part of the New Jerusalem. Just don't judge your brothers and make sure you're treating both sides, you know, and there's a place for that. And so this is what I, I was asking, was that it, if you are a person who's been hard-hearted, not obeying either the internal commandments, so you've overemphasized the external, or you've overemphasized the internal. Oh, okay. Okay. Then, what I'm asking you to do, like what Mark said earlier, I'm asking you to take that labor. I'm asking you to repent. 
I'm asking you to repent before the Lord. And don't take it too lightly because his presence doesn't show up for everybody. It's when you say, Lord, and he says, here I am. You know, it says if you treat your wife wrong, God doesn't hear your prayers. There's a lot of severity around the things I'm saying. If you're a person who is trusted in the flesh and the works of the Torah, rather than the atoning blood of Yeshua and the working of his spirit, If you're the lawless one that defends your non-obedience to the commandments because you know that his spirit is with you, understand that Samson thought his spirit was with him as well until it wasn't. And as your life gets bound up in cords of sin and uncleanness, one day you will find that he has withdrawn David cried, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So for rejecting holiness in heart and or action and using grace as a license to transgress the word, giving opportunity to the flesh, I'm asking you to repent. So let's just stand together, if you will. We're going to pray. Let's just take a couple of minutes. And before your own heart, before the God of eternity, just confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from unrighteousness. We're asking for a new unity today. In this Chazan day of power, O Lord, that you will establish your power and your presence in your people. And uh, this as well, if you have sickness in your body, if you have sickness in your soul, In other words, you are harassed by demons. Or if you've forsaken your first love. We're asking God to bring healing to your body today. I speak healing in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. I say that every sickness, every disease, every demonic force that has been up against the people of God, I route you in Yeshua's name. You be gone. You will not harass the body of Messiah. Where you've been harassed at night and you hate yourself. I rebuke that demon. Yeshua laid his life down for you. What I read today was the red letters. These were Yeshua himself. The Torah made flesh. He laid down his life for you as the sheep. It's, your life is not defined by your past actions. It's be- defined by his blood sacrifice that the father said, that one is worthy. Go pay for it. That one's mine. He knows you by name. Do not be deceived. And the last thing I want to say is this. Holy Spirit, for those who do not have 
the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your, in your life. You know, when the apostles were out traveling, they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We believed in repentance and being baptized. Remember what one of the verses David has his study. If you are not born of the water and the Spirit, well, if you've repented, I just declare the waters of judgment have passed over you and Yeshua has taken your judgment. I declare your body free from sickness and disease. I declare your eyes to see again, your legs to walk again, feeble knees to be set right, harassment in your back to go away. I declare these things. Not by my authority, but by the authority of the one who lives in me and who gave that promise to his children. Healing is the bread of the children. But I also ask, that right now you would be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. You cannot obey the Torah, His way, apart from receiving the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of God. And so I ask, where any of you are out there and you've been trying to obey, or you've been neglecting obedience because you know you can't, I ask not only for this synagogue, for this body, I ask for the movement of the MJAA, I ask for Christ for the Nations Institute, I ask for all those who name the name of the giver of the law and the justifier who all have transgressed it, that the Lord will reawaken both poles in their life and fill them with the Holy Spirit so that they can obey from the Spirit. Because... The Spirit of God leads the sons of God, and not through the flesh, but through the Spirit, you can enter into a righteous obedience that's not of the works of the law, but is through the establishment of Yeshua, our Mashiach. And so, yeah, uh, we'll uh, have the bread and the wine, but I would ask you, allow that to sink in. There is power... In the blood of Messiah. And that blood was spilled so that we could obey his word again. So God help us. Everyone. Like Tiny Tim. Thank you Lord.